You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Well, the Ohio State Buckeyes sure had a memorable game on Saturday for one very specific reason. It was the Mayan Williams game. Mayan ran for five touchdowns and tied the all-time Ohio State school record with five rushing touchdowns in one game, tying two other former Buckeyes. We'll tell you who that was and when that last happened, in addition to telling you some of our other things that uh, really stood out to us from that game. You know, it certainly had some uh, some intrigue at points. Obviously, the Ohio State Rutgers game has never historically been all that good. But uh, the Buckeyes sure accomplished a couple of big things on Saturday, checked off another box. And uh, the best thing about being 5-0 is a chance to go 6-0 and when they finally go on the road for the first time this coming weekend. All of our uh, big analysis and observations from what we learned in our Upon Further Review episode of Buckeye Breakdown coming up next. We've got the whole crew together as we cover Ohio State with our instant analysis from Ohio State. There's something that doesn't feel right. Unbelievable effort from him today. Is EJ Liddell going to crack the first team all Big Ten? I think he can be the guy. I'm not trying to start a quarterback controversy. He seems to have the durability. He certainly has the toughness. This is the question on a lot of people's minds here. Welcome to Buckeye Breakdown. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Monday, and welcome to Buckeye Breakdown, chatting about Ohio State's 49-10 win over the Rutgers Scarlet Knights on Saturday afternoon down at the Shoe. I'm Brendan Gulick, along with Craig Heisen. If you're watching live, we'd love if you'd comment along the way, and if you have questions, we'll try to get to those. In the meantime, if you're watching after the fact, that's uh, that's fine, too. Or if you're listening after the fact, you can find this podcast wherever you like your, uh, your favorite podcast. We're in the Apple Store, we're in Spotify, uh, in Google Podcasts and several other places. But we would ap- appreciate the support if you'd subscribe to our YouTube channel and, and hit that notification bell so you know you can join us this morning. I've already got a good crowd that's uh, that's jumped in here. Craig, uh, a win that probably everybody saw coming. I think that's fair. Uh, I think it was kind of funny that it ended up basically right on the number of the spread at 39 points. Just goes to show maybe the guys in Vegas really do know something the rest of us don't. Uh, and And look... You know, there were definitely points in the first half. I think everybody needed to wake the heck up because it was just slow and and uh, maybe not full of excitement. But by the time Ohio State, you know, got out of the locker room, even though they had a, you know, a 28 to 7 lead at halftime, uh, by the time they got out of the locker room and started with uh, some big swings, I think some of the excitement ticked up a little bit. Yeah, going into this season, Brendan, I never thought we'd see um... – Probably speaking for myself, Mayan Williams have more rushing yards than C.J. Stroud have passing yards. But, hey, here we are. Um, nothing ever goes as as we think it will in college football, as we can see going on across the landscape of, of uh, college football this past weekend and, and the big news yesterday, too, coming out of Wisconsin. But um, it uh, you kind of hit the nail on the head. It was uh, kind of like pulling teeth in the first half. It was not the most entertaining game um, we've seen this season. And, teams have tried to slow it down um, all year against Ohio State. Rutgers probably did it the best because, man, it was it was tough to watch at points in the first half. 
I, I have wonder if, I mean, there were honestly points. I really thought to myself, is Rutgers better than Wisconsin? I mean, Ohio <laughs> yeah. State literally struggled, like truly struggled in goal-to-go situations. How many times did they run plays from inside the 10-yard line and not get it in? And and found you know that maybe on on a Rutgers penalty one of a million they committed throughout the course of the game. I think they had uh, let's see total penalties they had ten penalties for sixty one yards. I know they had at least three penalties that were not uh, not a you know that were declined. Um, it just felt like they couldn't play disciplined football at all. But they gave Ohio State trouble down in the goal line. They did. That was the longest uh, longest goal line series I think I can remember. It was incredible um, how they just couldn't punch it in, finally got it in on fourth down, so that was good. But um, just from the start, kind of a, a weird start, Emeka trying to feel that and and probably one he should probably let go. Um, and then he catches another punt that was on the six or seven-yard line. So it's a couple of little weird things that they got to clean up. Um, I don't know where you want to start if you want to start with – Kind of C.J. Stroud. I mean, so well, statistically, let's start with because Mayan okay. had the game of his life, right? I mean, he yep. ran 21 times for 189 yards and five touchdowns, and he did it largely because Travion Henderson was not available again. It, it almost feels like the bigger storyline in this game was about who wasn't able to play uh, or who got hurt in the game than it was who was out there, and and that's not totally fair, but it's becoming a little bit of a theme now, right? That Ohio State's been dealing with some of these injuries. Henderson wasn't wasn't healthy enough to play. He tweaked it in, in warmups. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba still not out there. That wasn't so much of a surprise. Emeka Agbuka uh, was listed on, on the status report as a game time decision. He ended up playing, but didn't know that he was dealing with anything at all. Uh, and then during the game, at least the injuries we know of Tanner McAllister gets hurt. Tyreek Williams gets hurt. And both those guys seemed to be okay but neither one of them were given their helmets back on the sideline and, and neither went back into the, you know, into the game. So look, um, Ohio state's probably one of only a couple teams in the country that can withstand, you know, frustrating injuries to some of their more critical players. But by the same token, man, you want your full, you know, complement of guys out there. Um, so I, I don't want to spend too much time focusing on who wasn't there, but it is, plenty notable that there are guys that weren't available and it's kind of becoming a theme unfortunately you know there's going to be injuries throughout the season you just don't want to see that injury report this long going into week week six uh it's getting getting bigger and bigger each game and it's starting to become a big concern especially in the secondary if tanner McAllister can't go um against michigan state uh they're going to be pretty thin back there um but yeah mine's game are incredible i mean i I'm from Cincinnati, and I saw him coming up through Winton Woods. Uh, phenomenal high school career. Um, never thought I'd see him score five touchdowns for the Buckeyes, but he has turned into a hell of a back. I don't know if it's recency bias or to say if he's the bell cow. I still think it's it's Travion um, when they need him uh, down the stretch, but they got the best one-two punch in the country, and I think they're both that, – that share might be getting closer to – to 50 50. They, they certainly do seem to have that top one, two punch. And you're right. I, I don't know exactly how they're going to split carries going forward, but I think that room probably feels even better about itself now than it has at any point this season, just because Mayan's gone out and done that. I think they've always believed he's capable of it. 
Um, but we hadn't yet seen him rip off a 70-yard touchdown run where he runs away from the defense and and maintained that top-end speed when a guy was chasing him toward the end of that run. Um, you, you know, the, the, the mentality around them has always been that Mayan's the tough yards guy and that Travion's the home run hitter. And I think Mayan showed like, hey, look, I'm – I might be 225 pounds and I like to run downhill and hit people. I invite contact, but I can run away from you too. And that's pretty cool. I liked how he started high stepping about the 15. He was worried somebody <laughs> was going to get him and you know, his teammates were giving him a hard time if he was going to get caught from behind like that. So good to see him get in there um, and, and really take advantage of the opportunity that he had Saturday. He had all the majority of the, uh, knew he was getting the majority of the carries. And I thought Dallin Hayden might get, get in there a little bit more than he did, but hey, when mine's hot like that, just keep feeding them. Um, but yeah, kind of moving over to Stroud, if you want to, um, lowest passing yards ever in a game, almost looked bored at times, um, to his defense. That's probably the competitive stamina coach day talks about like, Hey, if they're t- they had too high all day, so they're taking away deep shots, like just take what they give you. Don't try. I mean, he threw a pass into quadruple coverage, probably just at times so bored. It's like, it. Hey, like, can I, can I make this throw? Yeah, that was frustrating, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't care so much about CJ's total yardage, you know, number on any given day. You know what he's capable of when, when he can really go off. I care about how did the offense look, and I thought largely the offense looked really good, with the exception of he made a really dumb throw in that intercept. He literally threw in a quadruple coverage. <clears throat> I, I thought maybe in real time that maybe the ball fluttered in the wind a little bit because it was blowing so hard in his face. When I watched the replay, I really didn't get that impression. I, I felt like that was more of a, a well, you know, well-thrown ball, but a poor decision uh, to throw in that, in that circumstance. He just tried to force it, whatever it makes a mistake. It's not the end of the world. Um, but certainly that wasn't encouraging. Um I was I was more noticing you know the the challenges the Buckeyes had down on the goal line. Otherwise, I mean you know they had 413 yards of offense in a game where they didn't run. Uh, well, they had 59 plays, plays like 59 yeah. total plays. Like that's not that's not um, way below average, but it's certainly substantially below where they'd like to be. Um, and that, some credit for that goes to Rutgers. Um, look, I. I want to see Ohio State's offense be efficient. Okay. They, the, the Buckeyes turned it over basically on the first touch of each half, but the first half that obviously wasn't on the offense. Um, I, I think CJ would still grade out pretty high. You know, he, he obviously missed a few throws, um, but I, I don't know. I didn't have a problem with the way he played. He, he wasn't perfect. The last two weeks now, he hasn't been eye-popping, wow, C.J. Stroud, but he certainly isn't a liability. I mean, let's not be crazy here. He he doesn't need to throw for 300 yards a game for us to be impressed by him. He guided the offense. He read the defense. And and Ryan Day said this week that he thought Rutgers' defense this year was far and away the best Rutgers defense they'd seen under Greg Schiano. And there were definitely times where they looked like a fairly decent defense. They they definitely look more improved than in years past. But like you said about C.J. Stroud, it's just taking what the defense is going to give them. Um, I mean, 
Did he lose the Heisman Saturday? No, he's still the Heisman front runner. He's not going to throw for 400 every game. And it was the only thing that was surprising to me was hitting, getting Kate Stover a little bit more involved because they were taking it away deep. Just maybe keep getting him the ball and eight to 10 yard passes until he can, they can kind of open up deep. They never really did that. I think Kate only had what one catch Saturday. So um, it's, uh, that was the only thing that was a little bit surprising, but. Um, I just I feel like the game was more about defense, Greg. You know, look, the, the Buckeye offense, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to be, you know, over hyperbolistic. They're going to score 40 points just about every time they play. And I, I kind of throw the Notre Dame game out the window because the, the first game of the season, you're preparing off of no game film and you have so many different things you're trying to prep for based off what you think somebody could do. Plus, it's the first game of the year when you haven't played somebody yet. You're still trying to find your rhythm. By the end of that game, the offense was clicking, and Notre Dame's defense is good. So I, I throw that out the window because I think if you play Notre Dame, you know, week four or week five, that Ohio State would not have been held to, to 21 points in that game. Yeah. To me, it was more about Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers are playing They're out of so their good mind. Right now. Like, Tommy Eichenberg literally might win – First team All American linebacker of the year, mm -hmm. you know, caliber honors if he keeps this up. Which, I mean, I I have really enjoyed watching the kid, maybe more than some others last year, even when he struggled a little bit. Um, he certainly isn't taking anybody by surprise right now. Tommy looks unbelievable. I, I thought, in a lot of ways, man, I thought Saturday was the Steel Chambers game just as much as it was the Mayan Williams game. Yeah, obviously, you know, he picked off the tip pass, and that's that is kind of icing on the cake. Steel was absolutely everywhere. Every single time somebody tried to get to the boundary, if he was on the field, he was in on a tackle. And his emergence at linebacker, along with Eichenberg, to me is the far and away the most impressive part about this defense and why I believe Ohio State's defense is good enough for them to win a national championship. The, the linebacker room right now is definitely leading that defense. I thought maybe going into the season it would be that – up front, but it's Eichenberg and, and Steele are playing at a level that we haven't seen for a while out of Ohio State linebackers. Uh, Steele was flying around. He was literally on every play. He was in there. Um, same thing with Tommy. They're just leading leading um, tremendously right now. This, with the secondary, with what's going on, I'm sure we'll get there in a second. Uh, they need to step up. If they weren't playing at this level, there'd be some big concerns um, on that defense. But Steele and Tommy all season have been outstanding um, and they've needed to be for Ohio State to be where they want. I think right now they're uh, they just cracked the top 10 at number 10 for overall defense um, in the country. So that's what Jim Knowles promised uh, Coach Day. So, so far he's delivering. Well, and, and how about the fact that, you know, even beyond looking at the stats, think about the kind of game they had to prepare for this week. You basically, when you play Rutgers, you have to know, they're going to try to do things that aren't on film against you. They are going to try whatever they can to get you off your game, whether it's trick plays, whether it's, you know, normal run of the mill play action type stuff. They're going to take deep shots. They're going to, they're going to try to do things that you can't anticipate. And I don't know that I've ever seen a team run its first six plays of offense with four different guys lined up at quarterback, uh, two of whom are not, true everyday quarterbacks but still lined up there anyways 
and and the Buckeyes did a good enough job defending that kind of thing. I mean, that's think about the level of of preparation that has to go in into that kind of game where you have to be ready for that kind of stuff. So I I was so impressed by the fact that Ohio State held Rutgers to under 200 yards of total offense. Basically, Rutgers' 10 points came gift-wrapped, right? The the yep. the fumbled punt put Rutgers in the red zone, you know, immediately. And they, they made a good play. We'll talk more about Denzel Burke. I see David's comment here about Denzel. Um, you know, they, they picked on him. It was a good throw, and they scored. But when you take over on the whatever it was, like roughly the 15-yard line, mm-hmm. it's hard to, hard to make a stop. Uh, and then when C.J. threw the interception, you know, to open up the second half, Rutgers picked up a couple of first downs and kicked a field goal. Other than that, they they didn't consistently move the ball much all game. In fact, I think they had uh, more penalties than first downs. I think they um, did. They had 12 first downs. They had 10 accepted penalties. But, again, there were at least three penalties on they Rutgers declined. that were declined. So, I mean, they, it, I, I just look at the defense and I say, hey, this group is getting better week after week. And if I'm an Ohio State fan, knowing what it's going to take defensively to get the job done this year, I don't I don't even care that the offense only had 413 yards of offense or that CJ threw for a buck 54. Like that, that doesn't really matter to me. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yep, it, it doesn't to me either. It, we can get to, there's a lot of comments coming in. We can get to, if you want to get to Denzel Burke now. Um, I don't, I haven't heard, at least you, you might have heard because you're more in the loop than me, but the number change midseason, haven't seen that ever before. I don't know if he's trying to change the mojo and say, "Hey, who's this number new? This new guy, number ten out there? He looks pretty good." Well, he turned out to be playing like uh, he was still wearing number five because, again, he gives up that that back shoulder throw touchdown. I mean, that seems to be a problem um, for particularly Denzel. But those back shoulder throws, the corners are kind of struggling with that right now. Um, but. I don't know what's going on with Denzel Burke. Again, he gives up the touchdown, doesn't look great. I don't know why, and, and Spider had the same question. Jair Brown, was he hurt Saturday? I didn't. I don't know why he didn't get in the game. Uh, I'm wondering the same thing because there have been moments where, you know, quite frankly, Jair has looked like the kind of guy that needs to be on the field more often. Uh, and combined with Denzel's struggles, I, I think that's one of the big questions we need to try to get answered from Ryan Day tomorrow when he speaks to the media is just in general, like, hey, how how do you go through the process of determining who gets snaps and who doesn't in the secondary? Um, because, you know, if you ask him, like, hey, why is Denzel playing? Well, what's he supposed to say? 
you know, or why isn't Jair Brown getting the run that he, you know, that maybe he should like Ryan's, you got to ask the questions in the right way mm-hmm. if you want to get any hint of an answer. So I, he, I'm, Brown wasn't Jair Brown wasn't listed on the report. Obviously JK no. Johnson played with Cam Brown being out and, and probably is going to be, if Cam Brown's out again against Michigan state, it'll probably be JK again. I just, that's something I'm interested, interested to hear from coach Day or Jim Knowles and just kind of ask her, Hey, what's going on with Jair Brown? Was he hurt? Why wasn't he? Yeah. Didn't get any run, and to see Denzel Burke play that same way, it would, you would think with what we've seen in the past with the quick trigger on some other guys getting pulled, that and even Burke got pulled um, in a game. Why didn't it happen again Saturday? The the depth right now in the secondary is, I, I would say it's a question mark. I don't know that it is a glaring question mark. Um, I will be more interested to see how detrimental, I guess. It could be if Ohio State's playing another legitimate quarterback, like guy that can take downfield shots. Um, I don't know that Sean Clifford is that guy. I mean, he certainly hasn't proven to be that guy before. You know, I, I saw a note here about the, you know, wondering if the defensive line is playing up to its potential. I think they've gotten better each game. I think JT Tuimolo was playing very well this year. Um, I think Jack Sawyer is playing better than his stats would indicate. Obviously, Mike Hall's having a great year. Teron Vincent played really, really well on Saturday. I thought Javante Jean-Baptiste, or Jean-Baptiste, however he pronounces it, I thought he absolutely had his best game of the season on Saturday. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm encouraged by the growth in that group. I think they could be a little bit better after they rotate their first guys out. But um, – the defensive line was never bothersome for me this weekend. Um, you know, I, I, I guess I think Josh Proctor's playing better than I thought he would at safety this year. I just haven't had crazy high expectations for him because um, he's been a little hit or miss when he's been on the field in the past. Obviously, went through a, a really tough injury, and I hate that. I'm glad he's healthy, and I think he's playing at a, a pretty good level. Proctor's played well the last two weeks in particular. I hope Tanner McAllister's okay. We'll try to get an update for you on that. Um, I I guess I would be a little bit more concerned about corner in general. Uh, J.K. Johnson played all right. Uh, Cam Brown played all right. Um, I think Denzel Burke. I, I don't man. I don't know if he's like. I don't I'm hoping he's interested. He just there. Yeah. There, are, there are moments where like he still looks kind of lost. Right. I'm hoping this week he gets his confidence back because Peyton Thorne at Michigan State. He's just as good as. At throwing the ball to the other team as he is his own. Yeah. So not very good. Hopefully, hopefully this week it Denzel Burke kind of we see what we saw a little bit last year. And I and and shout out to uh Manji Comos and Hilton Head, where we watched the uh game on Saturday. Great Ohio State bar if you're ever in Hilton Head. Um definitely stop there and watch the game. Great food, great people. Um thanks for but, the invite. Appreciate that. <laughs> But uh, Denzel Burke, there was a lot of people, a lot of tables talking about Denzel Burke. And the defense was so bad last year. Did he, And I don't want to I don't want to say he wasn't an All-American, uh, but the defense was so bad last year. Was he the one bright spot? You throw him on this defense that is better. Do you get what I'm getting at? He doesn't quite. Yeah, I see what same. you're saying. Because yeah, they were so bad last year that he just shined. Yeah. Maybe it was. We were looking it's, through it is funny classes. to me, you know, now we're a month into the season and we're talking mm-hmm. about 
a, a regular game plan from opposing coaches saying, we'll throw at Denzel. Yeah. I, I mean, five games in a row, including Toledo, uh, who frankly I think has had the best quarterback the Buckeyes have seen so far. They had no issue throwing his direction all season so far. So, And even I, with I J.K. Johnson getting the start Saturday, they still went towards Denzel Burke. And it's like, yep. all right, that, that tells you something. When we're five games in now and they're all doing the same thing, that it might be time to see what we can do with J.K. and Jair. And, and look, I don't think – I don't think Denzel's playing horrible. He's definitely made some good plays, but he has been the only guy that's consistently gotten beat back there. And that's the problem, right? Like you're, you know, as a corner, it's a, it's a game that's predicated on offense. You're, you're not going to be able to stop or break up everything that comes your way. You have to figure out a way to limit the big plays. And for whatever reason, He's the guy that's getting picked on, and he seems to be the only one that's burned consistently. So I I don't know. I don't know what they see in practice that they think he's still the best option. I trust Jim Knowles and, and the rest of that staff with the way they have largely played this season. Denzel's got to play better. I mean, let's just call it like it is. He He's just, not – he doesn't lack talent. Figure it out. Go play better. And just last last thing I have on the defense before we switch over to the, probably the biggest, <laughs> the biggest play of the game. Um, from Saturday, but comment from DJ there, just Denzel playing like 2020 Sean Wade thought the exact same thing. That's exactly what my friends and we were all talking about. It looked, they look like the same, same thing going on. So hopefully this week, Denzel with Peyton playing against a quarterback like Peyton Thorne that gives it up to the other team just as much as his own. Hopefully he gets some confidence, make some plays this Saturday. If he doesn't this Saturday, then I think my, my concern level with Denzel right now is probably like six and a half. It'd probably go to about a nine. If he yeah. looks like he has. Well, and, and the fact that they've got a bye week, you know, before they go play literally one of the worst offenses in college football in Iowa. I mean, you, you gotta think that the rubbers are going to start meeting the road pretty quickly yeah. with that. That might be when they try out JK and, and Cam Brown together. Yeah. If Cam Brown's back yeah. by then. So, but yeah, let's get, I want to get your take on the, on the punt heard around the world, fake punt heard around the world. So, um, I guess when the other team's still trying, uh, why can't you try too? Is kind of how I interpreted it. If they're trying to block the punt, why can't you run it? Um, so I want to get your take on that. I I am planting my flag firmly in the ground here, Baker Mayfield style. I hate the idea of calling it a fake punt because it right. wasn't a fake it was, punt. Yeah, it wasn't. They punt. called a punt, and Rutgers overloaded the left hand side of the defense, right-hand side of the offense from where Mirko was coming. He's an Australian, you know, uh, background kid. He always rolls out when he punts. What the hell is he supposed to do? There was nobody within 40 yards of him. Like, why wouldn't you try to go make a football play on fourth and two? He literally ran from his from where he was standing, <laughs> basically at his own yard round yep, to the run. other 39-yard line. Mm-hmm. I I – I personally had no issue with that at all. I I can I can firmly tell you that that was not a fake punt and that what what the coaching staff said after the game was not lip service. Nobody's calling a fake punt in that situation. Um and especially against a team like Rutgers that does that kind of stuff all the time, I just I had absolutely no problem with Mirko 
seeing an open field and taking off. No. So where where I thought it got a little bit out of control, I understand Greg Schiano wanting to protect his players and that you don't want somebody to get hurt. You don't want somebody to do something stupid and be, you know, thrown out of the of this game and then by virtue suspended for part of next game. I get that. Man, when you're the head coach of a team, you can't run 53 yards across the field <laughs> and start getting in a screaming match with the other opposing head coach. Yeah. I don't I, I'm not yeah. going to defend Ryan Day necessarily either for getting in in Shiano's face. It made for some fun television, some fun fireworks mm-hmm. when they're screaming and pointing at each other and, you know, all of that. Um, obviously, cooler heads prevailed at the end of the game. Uh, in fact, I I did catch a little bit of muffled audio on Twitter, but it was, it was clear enough when Ryan Day kind of, you know, covered his mouth and, mm-hmm. and went into Shiano and they had a, a longer, you know, uh, handshake than, than what coaches normally would have. I, I 100% heard Ryan Day say the words, I apologize. I'm sure, I'm sure he was aware of the optics, you know, heat of the moment. Maybe they said some things. I, it's, it's water under the bridge at this point between the two of them, I would think. Um, but I, I don't know, like if I'm Greg Shiano, like that's why I've got strength coaches and, and other <laughs> staffers who are usually holding me back on the sideline. Yeah. Like, you guys go do that. I need I, I I need to see a live cam, and I really hope it comes out. I want to see how fast he was sprinting across the field because it seemed like he got there in a hurry. It looks like he got there so fast. It looks like he might have been running before the play was even over. Because <laughs> he was like, I looked up, and you know that game was getting getting kind of sleepy there. So that that woke everybody up when that play happened, and you know a lot of the fans were kind of leaving the stadium right right before that happened. So they they saw the clips on on social media after too, but. It, it we need to get a clip of him running across the field because he got there in a hurry. You know, and then, 22 would be pretty fun to watch. It'd be great to see on that. But yeah, That's Coach true. Day backing his guys up. They both handled it very classy after the game. I mean, it's a former former coworker. So it's like you don't want to bury the guy. You're not gonna run, you're not gonna put your fake sure. run on on tape either when you're up 39. Like it was just a, a kid trying to make a play, have a little fun. Jesse's yeah. been great as a punter all year. He saw an opening, he took it. Thankfully, it didn't escalate from that with any punches or anything because an Ohio State player could have easily probably lost his cool and done it on the sideline thinking, oh, nobody's going to see me. And the the ref might see and you're suspended for a game. So glad nobody did that. Um, But, yeah, it's it certainly was fun, fun to watch there for a second, though. Yeah, it it (laughs) grabbed your attention in an otherwise game that had been long decided. Um, Let's wrap on this. This is not necessarily an Ohio State specific thought, but more a Big Ten picture thought. And on tomorrow's podcast, we'll dive into some more of this stuff. But I I just want to ask the question here now. Does the Big Ten stink? (laughs) Outside of Ohio State and and I guess Michigan has played fairly well, um, but they've played nobody. And and now they've kind of gotten two good games. I don't expect that Maryland is is that competitive with Michigan. I know they're, I know the stats, I know they're playing well. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to be cocky about it. I just don't think there's anybody else outside of maybe Michigan and Penn state's run game. I don't think there's anybody else in the league that's even close to being on the same level as the Buckeyes. And when you look at what's going on with some of the other teams around the league, I mean, it's just, it, it blows my mind. And I, 
I can't help but wonder if from a national championship perspective where Ohio State is certainly, you know, among the favorites to to make a deep run in the playoffs. I don't think there's any like if Michigan made it into the college football playoff this year, I've seen nothing from them to make me think that it would go any better than it did last year. Um and maybe while we're on it, we'll just put all the cards down on the table. If you vote in the Associated Press poll and you're still voting Georgia number one, what are you True. watching? I watched that entire what game are Saturday you night. Looking at yeah, it was. I don't know. That's a it's a great point because and back to your point, does the Big Ten stink? I think I'm of the opinion right now with what I've seen through five weeks that every conference stinks. There's just like two good teams in each one because Missouri. They played out of their, you know what, Saturday yeah. night. To that team's not; they're not any good. No, and I Kent mean, State put up more, Kent, you know, more pressure on Georgia in Week Four than you know the previous right. three teams did combined. And we'll get into it probably tomorrow with, with what's going on at Wisconsin. But right now, the Big Ten does stink, in my opinion. And going into the season, it's a major letdown too because on paper that schedule looked great. Iowa's been so underwhelming on offense like literally an offense in 1910 probably looks better passing the ball than than Iowa does yeah and then with Purdue Purdue playing home wrecker again this year we we thought Minnesota was going to be the team and kind of really have a good team on the west which that's another point they really need to get rid of the divisions um yep. just to kind of open it up everybody's worried that it's going to ruin the Ohio State Michigan rivalry if they play again in Indianapolis it is what it is. I mean, I think it might amplify it, if anything, um, to have a game to go to the college football playoff. But but Purdue, again, knocks off Minnesota. So it's like, hey, there, there's no good teams on the West. Um, I Honestly, you could pick one out of a hat right now. They, they change every week over there on that side of the division. But, yeah, it's across college football right now. It's There's really four, three, four teams, but Georgia lately hasn't looked – like I mean, the, I think it, like, like even Clemson's looked okay, but I haven't I haven't looked at Clemson and thought like, oh boy, that team would scare me if I played them in the college football playoff. Like they'd be a legitimate competitor. Yeah. I, I don't think Clemson's good enough to win the national title. Um, I don't think Tennessee's good enough to win the national title, despite the fact they've had a good start to the year. So yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to be respectful because there is some good football being played. But there's a difference between playing good football and playing at the level that we've seen Ohio State show through these first five weeks that they can play at. I mean, they 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 had a clunky first half offensively against Notre Dame. After that, Ohio State has played nine straight halves of overwhelmingly better football than their opponent. And you can't say that about literally any other Power 5 team right now in college football. Kansas is a great story. They've played really, really well. I think it's fun to watch the Kansas Jayhawks. I don't know that I've, I, I don't, I don't know that I could say they've been overwhelmingly better than, than their opponents the first month of the season. <laughs> no. So, you and know, it says you everything you, you need to know. Title on paper, you got to go do yeah. it. But I, I just, I, I'm, I'm trying to be open minded. If you're an AP voter and you've, you have voted Georgia number one in the country still. What is your justification of that? Because I, I truly, I don't, I don't see it. I don't get it. It tells you everything you need to know about college football this year when game day and week six is headed to Lawrence, Kansas. So it's, it's, there's really, 
They've been to Boone, North that, Carolina and Lawrence, Kansas in two of the first yeah. six weeks. No, no. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if they're going to do it from Fall Gallon like they're at a basketball game. I don't yeah. know. But it's, it's, it's cool they're going there, though. But, yep. It's great yeah, for them. The conferences right now, I think, all are a mess, to be honest. After what I watched Saturday, it's there's no real conference that's separating themselves right now from the rest. Yep, no doubt. Well, we're going to dive in on tomorrow's podcast a little bit more about what's going on around the Big Ten, especially in Wisconsin right now, and trying to wrap our heads around why uh, why Coach Christ was fired, um, making a comparison between him and Jim Harbaugh. Um, we've got uh, a lot to dive into tomorrow. We'll also kind of pose a couple of questions, what we want to hear from Coach Day tomorrow afternoon. But in the meantime, we appreciate it. There were a lot of great comments here, and I think we touched on uh, quite a few of them, especially as it related to the defense. So thanks for jumping on with us this morning. As always, uh, you can find this after the fact either on our YouTube channel or you can uh, download it wherever you like to find your favorite podcasts in the Apple Store, Spotify, Google, lots of different places. Uh, and we really would appreciate it if you'd subscribe to this YouTube channel and, and hit that notification bell. Uh, it helps us make sure we can put on the best shows that we can for you. So thank you for your support there. And for all your latest written content, BuckeyesNow.com is your stop. For Craig Heisen, I'm Brendan Gulick. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning. Buckeyes are 5-0, and and they're getting ready for a, a big road game against Michigan State this week. We'll have more of the Spartans coming up soon.